0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 78, where today we explore an important element of a fulfilling relationship. If you're a new listener to this podcast, you will soon realize that we're all about relationships here. We're all about finding the joy that God intends for us in our relationships, because that is what He made us for. Our relationships with people, with the world around us, with ourselves, and most importantly, with God. Each episode is designed to show some nugget of truth that we can act on to make our relationships fulfilling and joyful. Today for example, we'll be looking at one key principle of a healthy and fulfilling relationship that each one of us can work on to make our relationships the best they can be. We find this important relationship principle at work in the realm of leadership. I first heard this relationship principle explained by Donald Miller through one of his daily Business Made Simple videos. He raises a question, what makes for a successful leader? And he said uh, his experience has been that he has met many, many successful leaders. He said, I have met leaders who have no vision, but yet are very successful because they have this one particular quality that we're going to talk about. He went on to say, I have known leaders who lack creativity, who have been very successful because they have this one quality. He also said he knows leaders who really aren't all that intelligent, but they can be very successful if they have this particular quality. And finally, he said he knows leaders who lack people skills, who are still very successful because they have this one quality. And what is that one quality? It's this. Good leaders have a strong bias toward action. They get things done. Well, I'm going to have a link to that uh, very short video. It's only three minutes and five seconds. I'll have a link to it in the, in the show notes. Donald Miller talks about this principle as it relates to leadership and business. But my experience is that it applies to relationships as well. While Donald Miller uses the word successful in talking about leadership and this leadership principle of of a bias toward action, I really prefer the term fulfilling uh, over successful. So if we extrapolate what Miller is saying, we can see that healthy, fulfilling relationships have a bias toward action. Now to illustrate this principle, I'll share several recent listener responses to two episodes we had just a little while ago the first one is number 74 uh, relationships during elections and the second one is number 75 getting a letter helps people who feel isolated both of these episodes and both of, and the responses that we received show that fulfilling relationships don't just happen they require action well, I'm recording this actually on, on election day, uh, here, November 3rd, here in the U.S. Hopefully in a day or two, we'll know who the, who the winner is. But in episode 74, what we talked about related to relationship applies to all elections, all elections moving forward. The action I suggested in this particular episode resonated with a listener from South Carolina who sent me an email to say that these suggestions were dead on the money, <laughs> Well, in the episode, I said that, uh, you know, if your guy wins, if your guy won today, uh, don't gloat, don't rejoice, because it's not going to be nearly as good as you think. Instead, be kind, extend grace, be gentle. Your relationship with the person and people in your life who back the loser is far more important than any election result. On the other hand, if your guy lost today... It's not the end of the world. Don't sulk, whine, or otherwise complain. The sun will come up tomorrow. Tomorrow, the sun, well, I better stop here. Uh, And instead, acknowledge your sadness and fear. But it's not going to be nearly as bad as you think. Your relationship with the person who backed the winner is far more important than any election. I mentioned in episode 74 that we've had really bad leaders in the past, and if we end up with one this time, we're going to survive. And then I concluded the episode with our relationship quote of the week and also offered up another action we can take, and that is to put our relationship to the election in proper perspective. And I chose a passage from the Bible, from Philippians 4.8, where the Apostle Paul says the following, And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. And I concluded by saying that election season never falls into any of these categories that Paul is talking about. Another listener responded, from Florida. Her name is Judy, and she talked about an action that she took when she visited a church. Judy said the following, quote, during his sermon, the pastor said that Barack Obama was the Antichrist. I never went back, unquote. <laughs> well, I replied, good choice, Judy. You know, sometimes the best action we can take in a relationship is to walk away from it, And I think that was certainly the case in her experience, unfortunately, with that particular church. Well, then we have Kim from Wisconsin who responded to the election episode with the following. Thanks, John. This was great. I agree with you. One thing that was important for us when we looked for a new church was that politics were not preached from the pulpit. I do not have Facebook. And the whole political topic is one of the reasons I don't have an account. I believe ultimately God is in control. And as I am currently studying the book of Ezra, I'm again reminded that God can use any leader for his good and his glory. I really like that. Kim and her husband took a very wise action in their relationship with the church. They declared for themselves what was unacceptable based on their values and understanding of God. And then they chose a church home accordingly. And the final response to episode 74 about our relationships during elections actually really stung for me personally. It stung because it comes from a guy at my own church. I'll call him Willie to protect his confidentiality. Here's what he wrote to me. As an independent, I have not usually had an issue of politics until this year. There have been several people at our church that can call Democrats all sorts of names. Socialists, queer lovers, yes, even worse. When I have responded in a joking manner about Republicans, wow, it is like I have insulted God, Yahweh himself. I have learned my lesson. But I find it deeply disturbing for the church and followers of Jesus. I cannot imagine what non-Christians think. Ouch. Well, the action that Willie took was to use a little humor to try and diffuse the situation. Unfortunately, it was not received well. But at least he tried. Not all wise action leads to positive results, but we should still try anyway. Do the right thing, regardless of the results. These relationship stories involving churches confirms my suspicion that sometimes we Christians just get bored with Jesus, so we fill our lives with junk food for the mind and soul. Sad to say. Well, then we come to episode 75 from a few weeks ago, entitled Getting a Letter Helps People Who Feel Isolated. Here we touched upon the research that shows the therapeutic benefit of receiving a letter when we are disconnected from relationships and feeling lonely. I then read a letter I wrote to my Aunt Lucille, who had recently turned 100 years old. And that was an action I took to maintain and nurture my relationship with her, my aunt. And this episode, number 75, generated a number of responses from listeners about the value of taking action in writing a note or a letter to someone. Randy from Pittsburgh forwarded an article he saw in Inc. Magazine. He forwarded this on to me. It was about flight attendants on a Delta flight who wrote handwritten notes to each passenger, thanking them for flying Delta. And these flight attendants passed them out just as the plane was pulling into LaGuardia, I believe. I really found this really interesting because of, of what the writer had to say. He said, relationships require touch points, even if not physical ones, which is what makes the, what the crew did on the flight so remarkable. Before we reached the gate, the flight attendant came around and delivered the handwritten notes. The note was simple, but honestly, what it said was uh, far less significant than the fact it was personalized and handwritten. And it was just a thank you note for flying, for flying Delta. You know, it's kind of a common business practice these days. Uh, apparently, not a lot of people are getting them. And it struck this writer for Inc. Magazine to receive one because he, he really felt it was, it was something genuine. And that was an action that a business took to nurture the relationships they have with their customers. So, Randy, thank you for sending that. And then another listener, Carla, uh, from Wisconsin, uh, sent a really interesting article from the New York Times about a man in, uh, in New York and in, in Brooklyn who was sitting next to a uh, U.S. mailbox on the street with a manual typewriter, offering to write a letter for anyone who came by and that ma- and then mail it for them. It was an action he took to help other people to bless someone else. The article from the New York Times was rather intriguing uh, to me, and let, let me just read you a few lines, a few paragraphs from the article. It starts off with as follows. On a recent foggy morning, Brandon Wolfe was sitting on a foldable chair in front of a foldable table next to a Brooklyn mailbox, writing letters on a 1940s vintage portable royal typewriter. He was dressed in a navy blue t-shirt emblazoned with the U.S. Postal Service logo. A chalkboard sat in front of him and explained the project to pastors by, quote, free letters for friends feeling blue. Well, it turns out this guy is a full-time faculty member of the New York, of New York University. He teaches uh, literature, and this was uh, some kind of project he was working on. And uh, this professor uh, commented, he mentioned, uh, we're all grieving for something right now during this pandemic. He said, whether it's the loss of a friend or a family member or a job or routine, we're all losing something. And he goes on to talk about how, uh, the writer goes on to talk about how a six-year-old boy came up to this professor, the guy with the typewriter, and I'll continue on. He says uh, the guy's, this boy's name was Cole, who is six years old, and he decided to write a letter to his grandfather, who was in the hospital. What would you like to say to your grandfather? The writer asked. Cole, the six-year-old boy, responded with this: "Hi, Grandpa. I hope you feel better. You can do it. I love you." Well. They went on to have a few more sentences that were written, and there's a picture in the article of this six-year-old boy dropping the envelope that the writer had written for him and, and stamped. The writer of the article mentioned that this professor estimated that he had written more than 50 letters for people, each one of them unique. What the professor did was an example of taking an action to help other people who in turn could act to bless someone else. I think that would really be fun to try. Get a manual typewriter, sit next to a mailbox somewhere outside, and just put up a sign of free letters to anyone feeling blue. I'll pay for the letter and the stamp. Hmm. Well, finally, uh, another listener response comes from uh, Marilyn from Minnesota, who wrote, wrote the following to me, I did it! I listened to your podcast first thing this morning and thought of a friend who turned 98 years old last Saturday. The handwritten letter is done. Thanks for this great idea! And then she concludes with, I have a friend who decided to write 70 letters to 70 different friends during her 70th birth year. Wow! They were all handwritten. I have treasured that letter. What a neat idea to write a letter to all your friends, as many as you have during the year of your birth, birthday, and send those off. And I'm sure it took a while. But what a neat idea. And, and look at the blessing that, that Marilyn received. She says, I've, I've treasured that letter. Well, if you forget everything else, here's the one thing that I hope you remember from today's episode. Fulfilling relationships don't just happen. We have to take action, wise action, to maintain and enhance them. Here's what we can all do in response to today's program. We can start by asking God to show us what action we need to take to make our relationships fulfilling and satisfying. Is there something we need to do that requires something of us, like writing a handwritten letter or a note to someone? Is there a relationship God wants us to avoid or end, like our relationship with a church that talks more about politics than it does about Jesus? Is there an action we can take to bless someone, like the guy with the typewriter at the mailbox in New York City, that in turn will cause that someone? To bless another person. As always, another thing you could do is to let me and your fellow listeners know what resonated with you about today's episode, just like the listeners did in today's show. You can share your thoughts in the leave a reply box at the bottom of the show notes, or you can send them to me in an email to John at CaringforOthers.org. Well, I hope your thinking was stimulated by today's show to both reflect and to take wise action in your relationships. For when you do so, you will find the joy that God intends for you in your relationships. Because you know, after all, you are made for this. And now for our Relationship Quote of the Week. Successful people do what unsuccessful people don't do when they don't want to do it. The source of that is really unknown. It's actually something I used in sales a long time ago. Successful people do what unsuccessful people don't do, when they don't want to do it. You know, in the world of sales, one thing that successful people do is they'll make sales calls at 4 o'clock on a Friday afternoon. Unsuccessful people don't do that. In fact, we used to have sales contests about making 4 uh, 4 p.m. phone calls on Friday afternoon. We got amazing results from that. It illustrates the point that successful people do what unsuccessful people don't do when they don't want to do it. And it certainly applies to our relationships. Well, that's all for today. And I look forward to seeing you uh, next week. Goodbye for now.